Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today I want to talk about a topic that isn't so fun. Most discussions on alternative relationships are about the fun part getting to know people and dating, having fun, kinky sex, going to munches, going to parties, having fun, kinky sex. Typically, when we think about polyamory or kink or BDSM, we think about new and exciting relationships, new relationship energy. We talk about jealousy and finding compersion We talk about flogging and play. We've touched on a lot of those topics in other episodes. Today I want to dive into another real part of any long-term dynamic. Today I want to discuss caregiving, loss, and grief. I want to also discuss how my alternative experiences have helped me through the grieving process and helped me when roles changed in caregiving and ultimately led me to being a better partner in a new relationship. I'll discuss how our roles can change. The disability community is the only marginalized community in which anyone can become a member at any time. Many people who have disabilities like me enter into the lifestyle. Many others who join the lifestyle may become disabled later in life, perhaps even while they're already in a DS dynamic or poly dynamic. Disability can affect power exchange at any point in a dynamic. This happens with family and aging as well as our relationships. My grandmother raised me when I was a little girl. I wrote a blog and about how our roles reversed with myself and my grandmother. She taught me to walk, taught me to wash dishes. You know, here I was as a child going, look, Nan, look what I can do. Look, I washed the dishes. Look, I ran down the street. Today, I watch her relearning the skills she had after she had a stroke and has immune disease. I hear her calling to me now. Look, I made it down the hallway with my walker. This is something that happens with family and aging as well as with our relationships. Roles in vanilla relationships and roles in alternative relationships can change when faced with a new disability or illness. When my husband and I first got together, 
I had a disability, but I was pretty independent still. In the beginning, we thought of him more as the caregiver. Then he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy. As my husband became more and more sick from end-stage heart disease, we both struggled with our role reversal. Suddenly, I was the one taking care of him. When Sarah and I got together, my health started to decline rapidly. So I went from being the caregiver with my husband to suddenly being on the receiving end and my sir a few years later was taking care of me. How does this affect our alternative relationships? You may have heard an episode on Dr. Phil where he talked about caregiving and can a couple that participates in caregiving stay connected? You know, what about intimacy? And can you be in a romantic partnership with someone that you also take care of? And there's a lot of debate on whether that's possible or not. And I believe that it is. I believe that in all the caretaking roles I've played, whether it be the one being taken care of or the caregiver, I believe that our intimacy was only strengthened in the fact that we showed some vulnerability, we showed need, and we showed trust in that other partner to take care of us or to be able to take care of them when most needed. Imagine starting a relationship with someone at the age of 18 and learning three years later that your partner is diagnosed with a terminal disease. When my husband was 25 years old and I was 21, he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy. He was told by the doctors that he would only have five years left to live. The only thing they could tell him was that it was from a virus. He went through depression. He went through, you know, why did this happen to me? Did I do something wrong? He was working full time at the time, but at a very physical job. So he had to stop working. He learned some new skills. He went to school and he learned computer skills and changed jobs. Uh, Frequently, he started off in computer repair And when that didn't pan out, because most of the time at that point, people were just buying new computers every couple of years, then he changed to comedy and karaoke. He was a karaoke DJ for many years. I was going to school during this time and then working during the day. He usually worked in the evening. So that was another aspect to our lives that was difficult. We didn't see each other very often. And my husband wasn't scared and anxious like I was. Of course, you need balance. And I was the more responsible one at that time saying, we need to save money. Reminding him to go to his doctor's appointments and take his medications. This was the very start of my caretaking days. We had a small but beautiful backyard wedding. 
We saved the money we got as gifts. We had two choices with that money. Either buy a house or go on a big honeymoon the following year. And we chose the honeymoon. My husband lived his life to the fullest every day. He went on new adventures. So in 2002, we took a 21-day honeymoon to England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. It was a trip of a lifetime. When we came home from the honeymoon, his depression kicked in. He attempted suicide twice. I had to make the hardest phone call I've ever had to make in my life. That was the phone call to his mother to tell her that her son was in the hospital because he attempted to take his own life. He recovered. He swore to me that he would get therapy and stop drinking, and he did. And we were able to continue our relationship. And we were together for 21 years. Eventually, we opened up our marriage and became Polly. I talked about that in earlier episodes. Let me tell you where our mind was at the time when we first opened up our marriage. We were looking for our unicorn. A unicorn is a bisexual female who is willing to be in a triad with a couple. Well, they're called unicorns because they are magical. I'll tell you why. First, you're hoping to find a woman you're both attracted to. Second, you're hoping to find a woman who is attracted to both of you. So over time, my husband and I realized we both had different tastes in women. So we started dating separately. He would date a woman, I would date another one or another man. Well, over time, he met a girlfriend. I encouraged him to spend more time with her, and the two of them really sparked a connection. While he was with her, I was usually spending time at munches and play parties, getting to know other folks. And I would date other people. I also went to a lot of kink parties and munches. I had some experiences that would lead me to regret during that time. I remember being at a swinger party and then going to sleep in the guest bedroom and thinking to myself, why am I here? What have I done? I wish I were home with a husband and a girlfriend. I remember times when my husband was sick and feeling the same type of remorse. Now to give some background, my husband usually would go into the hospital every year or so and they would change up his meds and he would be in there a day or two and he would come home and he'd be fine. In October of 2014, I went to an overnight Halloween party while my husband was recovering from a hospital visit. He told me it was okay, he was fine, we both thought he was. By that following December, he was back in the hospital. By February, he left the hospital and at that point came home with hospice care. On March 9th, 2015, my husband passed away. I sometimes now think, how would I have behaved differently if I had known that that would be our last Halloween, our last Christmas 
whatever holiday, our last one together. I wouldn't have been dating new people, going to swingers parties, that's for sure. I look back on some of our pictures from that time. I look back and I can see how sick my husband looks. Of course, back then I didn't see any of this. Maybe I would have if I had been paying more attention. That guilt could have eaten me alive. Thank God I got into therapy. My husband and I had relationships with other people starting about eight years into my marriage. I was dating a man just before my husband got sick. He was also married and he was in the process of moving, so we knew this was never going to be a long-term relationship. When my husband got sick, I started to focus all my time on taking care of him. I had to break up with um, this man that I was seeing because my husband was in the process of dying. Fortunately, my partner was supportive and told me that he would be there for me in whatever form I needed him. Most of the time, this amounted to phone calls where I cried over the fate of my husband to my partner. My relationship with this man would move from a romantic relationship to a friendship. I'm grateful to this partner that I had at the time. Interestingly enough, I also spent time calling the person I was crushing on. He was kind to me and he listened to me when I needed it most. My poly partners helped me during this period I had of anticipatory grief. I use the term anticipatory grief to describe the last three months of my husband's life. When we were going from hospital to home to hospital to back home in hospice care. I took care of my husband during the past six months of his life. He told me at that time, when he had come back home in hospice care, he told me that he didn't think I wanted to be there to take care of him. He thought that I'd rather be out at a party or out with my newfound partners. That really hurt, but I'm glad he told me. It gave me a chance to say to him that, no, this is where I want to be. I want to be with you. I want to be taking care of you. You know, there was nowhere else I wanted to be. And I also had a chance to make amends to him for focusing so much on my other partners and not focusing enough on my relationship with my husband. I remember my husband telling me when he was sick that he was grieving the man he used to be. He would say to me, but I'm supposed to be taking care of you. He would give me a hard time about taking his medications and doing what he needed to do. I told him that by taking care of himself and taking his medications, he was taking care of me. Some of the most intimate moments that we shared were me taking care of him. 
Sex really is only one form of intimacy. When you take care of your loved ones, that's intimacy at a whole new level. And I'm honored that my husband gave me the chance to care for him. It's funny to remember how strong I was at that time, physically and emotionally. I was able to get him to the hospital, drive him there, get him into a wheelchair and wheel him up to the admission area in the hospital. I remember people at the hospital looking at me, but I didn't really have any assistance. I just got a wheelchair, held onto my one crutch and the wheelchair and went. Interestingly enough, I think holding onto the wheelchair helped me with my own balance. Um, but yeah, sometimes I wonder, you know, how strong I was at that time. Because I don't think I'd be able to do that today. Grieving after my husband passed away was strange for me. While I missed him, I was also relieved. My husband had been struggling so much with pain for the last three months of his life. His body was deteriorating in front of our eyes. He was on pain meds that would keep him asleep for most of the day. He had decided that he didn't like taking the pain meds because they made him forget things and he didn't want to forget us. So he wanted to stop taking them. And that really scared me because I saw how much pain he was in without the medication. In October, I was praying for my husband to recover and to get well. By January, I was praying for him to pass away comfortably. When he passed in March, I felt a sense of relief because he was no longer suffering. I believe I went through anticipatory grief. I started grieving for him long before he passed away. I grieved for the healthy version of my husband, the man he was before end-stage heart failure. I couldn't bring myself to cry at the funeral. I gave his eulogy, and afterwards I had people coming up to me and telling me how strong I was. I didn't feel strong. I felt guilty because I felt relieved. I felt relieved because I knew my husband's position on his end-of-life care. I knew he was ready to pass on. I was relieved because he was no longer suffering. At the same time that my husband was dying, I was struggling at a job where I was being discriminated against. I loved my career, but not the way I was being treated. So I left that job voluntarily and also took a huge pay cut. So much of my identity at that time was wrapped up in being Baxter's wife and in my career. I felt like I didn't know who Angela was anymore. Without being a wife and without that job, I had to figure out who I was. I learned that my identity isn't just about my role as a wife or what I do for a living. 
I've heard this saying in the disability community that I appreciate. We are human beings, not human doings. I had to learn who I was as a person. During that time, it was my kink community who took care of me. They came to my house to bring me cat litter, rock salt, things I couldn't carry. They asked me for what I needed. They did fundraising to help me. They made sure I was eating and would bring me food. They became my chosen family. They helped me realize the person I was and the person I could become. When I came into this lifestyle, I thought it was all about fun and kinky sex, but I found a community that would take care of me when I was at my lowest. When Sarah and I started dating seriously, one of our biggest concerns was that I was a recent widow. I would talk with my therapist about the guilt I had moving on. She convinced me over some time that my new relationship was not disrespectful to the memory of my husband. In fact, she said, many couples who were happy in their marriage do move on more quickly to other relationships after one has passed. I also believe the fact that my husband and I were poly helped me move on much more quickly than if I had been in a monogamous relationship and vanilla relationship. Polyamory and the lifestyle have been very helpful for me in this way. See, my husband and I were dating other people for a couple of years before he passed. If my husband had been fine with me dating other people while we were married, I concluded that he would be fine with me moving on after his passing. I wish we had had more time to discuss that before he passed, but I do believe that's how he would feel regardless. Being poly and being kinky in my marriage saved me from a life of loneliness as a widow. Being poly taught me that it is possible to love more than one person. It taught me that it's possible to love my husband after his passing and fall in love with a new person. I still love and miss my husband terribly. There are pictures all over my house of he and I. My sire is not threatened by this. My sire realizes that I cannot erase 21 years of my life that I shared with my husband. My sire is not a replacement. My heart is big enough for both of them. Just like my heart was big enough for other partners while I was married, my heart is big enough now to love my husband and my master. Does moving on mean that I love my husband less? Does it erase the 21 years we spent together? Absolutely not. It means that while my husband has passed away, I continue to live. It means that he truly loved me and wanted me to continue living and being happy. That's the reason that he supported me getting into the kink lifestyle from the beginning. He wanted me to find myself. He wanted me to 
find my happiness. Today I'm in a monogamous relationship with my sir. I don't want to make some of the same mistakes I made with my husband. I'd like to say that I learned from those mistakes. I don't ever want to hurt my sir the way that I unknowingly hurt my husband due to my own needs. Now today, our roles are reversing. And as I'm getting older, my health is declining. I'm having more issues with walking and more issues with pain. And today, my sir is my caretaker. It's interesting too that I can be triggered by other people's opinions. I've had a lot of vanilla people question me about how long it's been since my husband passed away and I started a new relationship. You know, how much time had passed in between. And I can feel their judgment as they ask me these questions. Some will even come out and say to me, oh, I would never be able to do that if my spouse passed away. I don't think they realize quite how insulting that is to be receiving that type of comment. It floors me every time someone can be that insensitive. It's never people that know me or know my husband well. It's always strangers or acquaintances. I even had an Uber driver ask me that question during a ride. Thank God I don't get those kinds of questions in the kink community. I think people here get it. They understand alternative relationships and understand where I'm coming from. And I feel supported in my kink community and my alternative community. Now, my husband's family and friends, they love my sir. They're happy for me. They invite both of us to all the family events. We get invited to the birthdays and celebrations. Sarah and I laugh because Sarah actually met my in-laws before he met my biological family. My in-laws have been my family for 21 years, so I'm blessed that they continue to include me and my sir in all the family events. And I really love being part of the family. Now, we're also blessed to have our own chosen family in our kink and leather community here in Philadelphia. I feel like more and more as the years go by, I'm becoming more like my husband. As I'm getting older, I'm becoming more carefree and living my life with intention, the way I want to live it. I left a job that had me burned out. Today, I love what I do. I'm actually doing what I wanted to do 20 years ago when I finished grad school. And today, I'm in a 24-7 dynamic with my sir. My sir balances me out by saying, we have to save money. This is your bedtime. 
and it's time to take your medications. I hope if nothing else, this episode will encourage you to have some tough conversations about caretaking and end-of-life decision-making with your partners. At the end of every episode, I'll be posting a question for you to consider. Now that you've heard my thoughts on caretaking, grief, and loss, I'd like to hear your thoughts. How can you have a successful relationship where one person is a caretaker for the other? I'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences around caretaking, grief, or loss. Please go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com and share your thoughts with me. Desirability Alt will be back in two weeks on September 7th, 2020. Until then, be well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.